unless you really wanted to. But how many people here have prayed and not gotten an answer to their prayers and had no idea why? Where it's been confusing or, do you know, it's like, <laughs> thanks, you guys, raise, raise your hands anyway. It's a kind of common thing, isn't it? That people pray and they don't get answers to their prayers, but that's a crummy way to feel. You know, to think about it where, because when you're praying, it's kind of a big deal. You're putting your heart on the line to God. You know, it's, it's a risk and trust and reaching out. And oftentimes when, when praying, it's like, you know, especially coming from my background, I was, you know, born and raised an atheist, you know. So when you first start to pray after thinking that there's no God there, to, you know, and then you put yourself out, that's a risk, right? You feel like, oh, gosh, I could feel stupid here, you know, to put myself out to God. And if you're not getting an answer to your prayer and you don't know why, that's rough. And it, and it hurts your faith and it hurts your relationship with God. And I don't feel like that was ever God's intention. I really believe that God wants us to understand prayer more and understand him and wants us to pray where we can get answers and where it's clear and it's not so cloudy and mysterious. We've been talking about how prayer is a relationship with God. So I'm going to, you know, in the, a few weeks ago, we talked about all the different kinds of prayer and how we can build a relationship with God through prayer and through different kinds of prayer. Well, this week and next week, I really want to focus in on the prayers that we think of often, which is requesting things of God, asking things of God. You know, in those ways, when you're seeking and you're asking God to help, and you, it doesn't come back the way that you think. And I'm going to do my best at kind of walking you through the word of God to explain how we get answers and how you can pray in a way that you can have confidence towards God. So it's going to be two parts, so you're not going to get all the answers. You've got to come back next week for the rest of them. Because <laughs> uh, there's, there's a little bit to this. But the first thing that I want to really focus on today in prayer is knowing what's available from God. Um, I think that one of the main issues when people pray is people pray for things that aren't really available. You can pray for things that God's not promising to give, you know, and have no idea. And so we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit, as well as the fact that God's actually promised some things in his word that he is absolutely willing to give, and you can, and he's reliable. So I want to take you first, oh, get out your... You know, you might want to exercise your fingers. We're going to be flipping around. Everybody get, you know, do the little, you ready with that? Okay, let's start off. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 4. It's towards the end of your Bible, 1 John chapter 4. And in verse 5, or 14, sorry, sorry. 1 John is towards the end of your Bible, and with, there's Bibles in the aisles if you'd like to uh, grab one and share. Maybe somebody next to you can help you find your way around. In First John chapter 4, I mean, sorry, chapter 5 in verse 14, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
So we see, just in that one verse, we're going to see a whole lot of things just in these couple of verses. So one, God wants us to actually be confident in going to God. I'm not saying haughty or arrogant. That's different. I'm saying God wants us to be confident. God wants us to not, to not have that sense of, will he hear me? Will he be there? Will he answer? To have that kind of uncertainty or insecurity in it. So it says that the way that we can have the confidence in approaching God, it says that if we ask anything according to what? His will. I want to really look at this because I don't think a whole lot of people even think this way when they're praying. If you ask when you pray, a big key in prayer is what is available from God. What has God promised? If it's according to his will, then you, have, then you can have confidence. If you're praying for something that is the will of God for your life. Now, a lot of people talk about the will of God as if it's something we can't even know. Have you heard that before? I've heard a lot of that. If it's the will of God, God willing, you know, that, that saying. Everything is God willing. Well, God is willing on the things he's willing. But guess how we know what the will of God is? His word. The word of God is the will of God. We have this huge, big, giant book full of all kinds of things that we can know what God's will is. Now, I know that there are maybe some, you know, and as we progress, because we're going to be talking over the next couple of weeks about this, there might be questions that are very specific about what do I do for my career or what, you know, things like that, that you're not going to read the chapter and verse necessarily, like, where do I move? Hmm, where's the verse that says, should I stay in California? <laughs> you're not going to find that. So, we're, so we'll talk about that. But overall, you can look at God's word and know what his will is for your life. The majority of things, whether you can pray for them and whether God promises them, you can look at God's word. So guess what? We got to get to know God's word, don't we? You know, if we want to know what the promises are of God are and what God and what God's willing to do. So then we'll continue. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And in verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. God actually wants us to be this way in prayer. And I know sometimes I catch myself where I'm praying for something that I know is absolutely the will of God and I'm questioning it. If God says it, guys, it's a promise of God and God is good for his promises. And we need, when we're praying, to have that kind of boldness of going, wait, I'm praying for something that is God's will in my life that I can be confident and know that we can have what we ask for. We're going to talk about, so the first step that I'm really going to focus on today is looking at what is available from God and what are the promises of God. Next week, we're actually going to get into a whole lot of the specifics of how to receive things from God. There are certain things that we're going to be talking about too where there are promises of God that are conditioned on us doing things. Not all the promises of God. There are some promises of God that are completely unconditional, you know, that, that are available from God. You don't have to do anything, you know, except for faith. That's the only thing that you have to do to receive. But then there are other promises of God that it's like God says, if this, then that. We'll look at those as well. 
Okay, let's go. To, oh, and I actually, you know what it's, it says in that word, the word confidence, I looked in the Greek, what that means is free and fearless confidence and without ambiguity. That it's not, there's nothing ambiguous. God doesn't want that. God actually wants us to have that kind of certainty when we're praying and requesting things of him, to know that he is a God that is faithful to his promises. Okay, let's go to Second Peter. Go back a couple, wor- a couple books there. Or a couple pages, I should say. Second Peter 1, and in verse, uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God, it says, has given everything, given us everything we need for life and godliness. And that's really an important thing to think about. That God is a wonderful, loving God. It says God is love. And God loves us so much, there's nothing that he's overlooked that he hasn't given us. There is nothing that we need in this life right now that God has not provided and that is, is not willing to give. So it says everything. Everything means what? Everything. <laughs> he has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. So part of how we get to know what he's given us what that pertains to life and godliness is through knowing him, through understanding. And how do we get to know God? big piece of it is through his word and prayer. His word and prayer are definitely a couple of ways to really get to know God. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, his glory and goodness, it's talking about, he has given us his g- very great and precious promises. So it's a, in the Greek, the word very great is a, is a superlative. It's like exceedingly great. And it says precious. Precious is something that costs a lot, that has great value and great worth. And so it says that God has given us great and precious promises so that through them we might participate. And you know what the word participate is fellowship. We've been talking about faith on fire, the, the way that fellowship fires up our faith we can have we God wants us to have fellowship with him as well full sharing so it says that through the promises we may participate or share fully in the divine nature and God's nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires so God doesn't want us in the crap of this world he wants us to escape All the stuff that's the garbage of this world, God does not want us stuck in that. God wants us to live in his nature and having great and precious promises. The Bible is full of promises from God to each and every one of us. And God's not ashamed or embarrassed to make promises. You know how you ever meet people that are are reluctant to make promises? I don't promise anything. Do you know what I'm saying? God... (laughs) God's not holding back. God is God Almighty, and he is completely willing to make and keep his promises to you and to me. He's, he's willing to put his butt on the line spiritually. He doesn't have butt, but <laughs> put, him, put himself on the line for us in this way to make promises. Now, the other thing is God, we also know that here God's got promises. Do, you know, But part of the thing is getting that God is actually faithful to keep his promises. God is not like people. 
Promises are great. You like when people make promises to you? Doesn't it kind of depend on who the person is? <laughs> Sometimes, if you get a person that makes you promises and they don't keep them, that's more of a make you crazy thing, right? It's just like, please, don't even promise. Just leave me alone, you know? <laughs> like, I don't even want to hear it. If you're not going to do it, don't want to hear it, right? So, but God is faithful that what he's promised, it says that he is able and willing to do. So let's go to, um, because a promise is really only as good as whoever it is that, uh, that promised it. So let's go to 2 Corinthians, back a couple books here. I told you you're going to exercise your fingers a little bit. 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. I don't know how to say them backwards. I guess if we're flipping backwards, it would help if I knew how to say them the other way. <laughs> I only know how to say all the books of the Bible going forward. So um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And it says in verse 20, um, yeah, 120, it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are, wait, yeah, God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So it says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. So it's, and actually it's really interesting. Oh, let's actually back up to verse 18. It says, but surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. That means that when God says something, it's not, you can count on it. He is not like, oops, fooled ya. Do you know? It's, it's not, he's not speaking out of both sides of his mouth. He doesn't say, I promised, but I had a change of heart. I can't deliver, I won't deliver, or have regrets, whatever. God, it says, is faithful to the things that he has promised. How much of a comfort is that? Because, you know, how many times, like, if you think about some of the greatest hurts that there are is when people break promises, isn't it? And sadly enough, people breaking promises to us oftentimes causes a wall in how we relate to God. Where God has been faithful, but it's hard to trust him because we haven't been able to trust anybody else. We've been let down and, and disappointed that, you know, we just feel stupid trusting. You know, where it's scary. But God is faithful. And you know what the thing is, is, a trustworthy person, if somebody's reliable, have you ever noticed this, that over time you st your trust just starts to grow? You know, because maybe everybody let you down in your whole life, but you get one person that actually does what they say that they're going to do over and over again, you know, and it's not like the rug's getting pulled out from under you. And after a while you go, oh my gosh, I can trust this person. It's going to work that way in our walks with God as well. God is trustworthy, but getting to the place that we know that he is sometimes takes just walking it out and seeing God be faithful. Also, that's why I want to teach on the subject about how you get prayers answered, because I think a lot of times there's so much misunderstanding about prayer that people think that God let them down when they're praying for things that aren't available from God or that God can't do. Um, so we want to look at the word of God to say, what does God promise? Because he is faithful on those things. And what are the things that are not 
you know, a promise of God. Um, let's go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews, James, go back to the back again towards Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 10. It says in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, what that means, the most holy place is like where God dwells. It's like in the very center of where God lives. So it says because of the blood of Jesus and being cleansed from all sin, that we can act, we're washed, that we can go to the holy of holies and live and dwell with God, that we don't need to be afraid not to go that close to God. Back in the Old Testament, when they had the temple, they had the Holy of Holies, the inner dwelling place of God, and only the priest, you know, would go, would go in there once a year, you know, and so, but it's by the blood of Jesus that we all have access now to that place of God, that dwelling place of God, so we can even have confidence and not have to be timid about going there with God. It says in verse 20, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So, we have a few things here. One is we can go to the very dwelling place of God because of what Jesus Christ did, but also that we can have confidence when we do it that what God promised, he's going to do all the time. He's not ever wishy-washy about it. And as you start learning what's available from God and how to receive it, which is what we're going to talk about next week, today's what's available, next week's how to receive it, and um, that because it's in the word of God that we can have confidence that our prayers are going to get answered and not be like, oh, I wonder if God's going to come through or not. Uh, I want to look at a few things in terms of just a few promises of what are available from God. There's certain things that are, that are available that aren't really, they're just promises and that, that are available to everybody all the time. And let's go to Psalm 103. These are pretty universal. That's kind of in the middle of your Bible. Uh, Psalm 103, and there's lots of it, so it's kind of easy to find in a way. Uh, And in verse, there's a whole bunch of promises right in this one section. In 103, in verse 2, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. There's a promise right there. God is always faithful. One of the promises is that God forgives all your sins. There is no sin that God is not willing to forgive. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. God is willing to forgive it. You know, God loves us that much, and, this, and the price of Jesus Christ is enough to pay for, for all of it. It says, forgives all of our sins, and it says, heals all your diseases. I know that sometimes it's hard to have faith when it comes to healing, but there is not one place anywhere in the whole Bible that it doesn't say that healing is not available. 
It is a promise from God. It says in another, you can actually write this down if you'd like. We're not going to look these all up. But 2 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, the stripes on Jesus Christ's back, he paid for our healing. Healing is absolute. We need to start really getting to the place that we relate to healing, that it is absolutely available and God wants it. You know, that we go, wait, this is a promise from God. And stop wondering, well, am I good enough? Do I deserve it? Or whatever the heck this is. Or does God love me enough? Have I paid enough dues to God? That is not in the word of God. You don't read that. Jesus healed people. There was not one record in the Gospels where somebody came up to Jesus and he's like, "Mm, not for you. Not my will. You know, there's not one record, cover to cover, that you know, where it's just sort of like, well... You know, um, God's teaching me something with this. I need to just sort of stay with it. You know, it's not. God's will, and that would be kind of crazy anyway. Why would God want anybody to be sick? What the heck kind of God would that be? Yeah, it would be, that's not my kind of, you know, I, honestly, if it was a God like that, I wouldn't be wanting to pray to the, that person or being or, you know, being. Um, it's it's incon- It's you know, it, it conflicts with God's word, and yet, no matter how, that's why we need to know God's word. We need to know that we know that we know and go, no, this is God's will, and not doubt. Okay, and so it says it forgives all your sins, and it doesn't say part of the sins, all your diseases. It doesn't say some diseases. This is a promise from God. Let's just go to a few more, a couple more. And then I want to show you 1 Peter 5. These are just sort of my go-to ones that I use. Because a lot of times it helps when you're praying and you're feeling, if you're feeling insecure or tentative or wondering, to just go, wait, no, God says he wants this for me. We have a loving and good God. God wants this for me. Because how are you going to have faith if you're wondering if God wants that for you? And the way that we receive, we're going to talk tomorrow on receiving from God, is faith, is believing. The key to receiving is believing. We're going to talk all about how faith works and how it interacts with the promises of God next week. But the key to receiving from God is believing, is faith. If you're wondering if God wants that for you, are you going to have faith? You're not. You, you can't ask in faith when you're wondering if it's really even is what God wants. So how would you believe that it's going to come to pass? So let's go to 1 Peter 5. Um, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I like the King James. It says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So this is also something, it's one of the things that God says that we can pray for and receive is like if we have, if we have anxiety, that's something that we can pray to God for. God can lift that. Let's also go to, um, there's a whole bunch of promises in this one little section in Romans 8 I want to hit. There's tons of these. Somebody told me there were over 900 promises in the Bible. How many do you know? Just asking. Acts Romans, the, um, because how would your life look if you knew the promises of God? What do you think that would do to your faith and trust in God 
to know what God, what's available from God. Got to get into his word to know that. Uh, Romans 8 in verse 28, there's a whole string of them here, so that's why I thought it'd be kind of cool and fun. And um, It's just an inspiring section of scripture about what God does and is able to do. Uh, Romans 8 and verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So in every situation, we can count on God working for the good. So again, if we have some other expectation of God, that's not the truth about who God is. God is always for us. He is always, he is always working for our good. And it says, uh, according, uh, who, who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then it says, we'll just drop down because there's a whole bunch of these. In verse 31, it says, um, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? And then it says in verse 32, so we kind of understand it. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for his all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And this is to help persuade us. What the, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is he said, God gave us Jesus Christ, his only son who he loved, and let him get crucified on the cross. Why is he going to hold something else back from you that you need in your prayer? Why would he not want you healed? Really? Does that, how, it's, it's like it doesn't even add up. It's like you're talking about a schizophrenic God or something, if that's, you know, like two totally different opposing bipolar God. Um, it's not what, who God is. He's, it's just should be logical if we can see that God gave us Jesus that he would want to answer our other prayers. And then it says, um, let's see, we'll skip down to, we already did that one. Uh, verse 35. Oh, no, no. Verse, um, and then this talks about the love of God in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or sam- famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For it is written, now this is a joke though. For your, in, this, in the Seekers Retreat, I sh- bow like a sheep, I won't do that. Uh, for, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then it says, no, and that's an emphatic no. And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. So it's just like, it's, it's a figure of speech to show us that no matter what goes on in life, we cannot be separated. That's how much God lo- loves us and is not going to walk away. And one of the promises is in all those things that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then it says in verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many times is believing the promises of God been hard for you because you think God doesn't love you? We need to read this in the word of God. That's why God's word is so important to read. Nothing will separate you. If you're praying, the word, God wants you to know that you cannot drive him away. I know you feel like you fall short. I, you know, it's just sort of like, that's a lie from hell. It's a lie from the devil that God's, you know, going to walk away because, you know, you 
didn't read the Bible enough or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, or, I don't know. Nothing shall separate you uh, from the love of God. So there's just a few promises right in that whole section. Now, I want to take you to, because here's another, this is just, before we get into what, uh, next week we're going to be totally focusing on how to receive things. So the first thing today is how, what's available, is I want to show you that there are some promises that are based on a condition. And I think people get confused about this too, where God has a promise, but it's based on, it's a promise that's conditional on something we do. Do You know, not every promise is just sort of like, completely, the love of God is unconditional, salvation is unconditional, there's nothing we have to do for those things. They're just promises. God will give them. Healing, you know, all of those things are promises that it's not like you have to deserve it at all. But there are other promises in the word of God that we want to look at that God says, if, this, if you do this, this is going to be the fruit. I promise that this is going to be. And so I just want to look at a couple of those because I think some of the confusion is people praying and not realizing that sometimes there's a um, there's a part that we play in it. And it's really, it's a very important that we want to grow, and you can start understanding this as you read God's word, to say, what's my part, and what's God's part? You know, which is my job, which is God's job? I think people get that very mixed up. Sometimes people try and do God's job. God's like, no, no, no. You know? And, and I'm sure we've all struggled with that. I don't know a personal life that it's not like, you know, God said, he'll do, like, salvation and somehow we're still trying to work towards salvation or (laughs) trying to earn it when God's like no you don't need to earn it this is my job you know or sometimes there are things where God requires something of us to step up to the plate and we're going why isn't God answering the prayer and we're not doing the part that God asked us to do and then that sometimes gets confusing that's one of the areas that people get confused about and I want to take a look at that that we read that in Matthew 6 um, in verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not the life more than food and the body more important than f- clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you can... Um, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run, uh, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. And then it says in verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has had enough trouble of its own. So you see in here that if you that there's a balance where God says, if you seek him first, that God's going to make sure that all these other things are taken care of. This is also kind of one of those dances that sometimes people don't let go with God in this, and they put all their worry and fear into, what do do I wear? What do, you know, like um, making that the top thing in their life that drives them, and that's not letting God take care of you. 
So this is one of the things where the promise of God, in a way, is to let go and seek him first, and he'll take care of the other things in our life. Does that make sense? As far as, does it, do you see how that works? Let's go to Joshua, which is in the earlier book of the Bible, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Um, it's about, see, that's how thick I am in. Joshua in chapter 1. And this is kind of a really cool promise in the word of God. Joshua 1 in verse 8, it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So the promise of God here is God says he will make you prosperous and successful. What's the condition of it? that you read and walk out on God's word. That living God's word will make you prosperous and successful. The fruit of it, if you've thought about that, like what, like God wants us to be prosperous and successful. That is something that he, that he desires for each and every person to have fruit in their lives. And so, but the way to get there, it's, there's actually fruit in living out what God says to do. So you know how people get confused by that? Sometimes people are living in ways that are really destructive and hurtful, is it the, are their lives going to be prosperous and successful? It's a promise from God, but do you know what I'm saying? We have to kind of, these are sometimes where people are praying for things and doing things that are counter to what God says, and the fruit's not going to be there, and that's where it gets confusing sometimes. Does that make sense? Or help a little bit, maybe, in some confusing places? I want to just look at one more in Second Corinthians I told you, you're going to work out the fingers here. That's almost to the other side of your Bible again. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And um, in verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful is hilarious giver. Somebody's just hilariously giving. And in verse 8 it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. That's kind of a big promise, wouldn't you say? In all things, in everything you need, that you will not just squeak by, but that you will abound in every good work. As, and, then it, um, and then it goes on. So there's a lot in terms of when it comes to taking God taking care of us financially, because we're going to talk next week about faith, because faith, it says, is the key, or believing is the key to receiving from God. We're, it's all through Scripture. We're going to read it over and over again. So I think it's also important to understand how faith works, or believing. Faith and believing are the same idea. You know, it's just sort of... Faith is sort of like the belief, but it's towards God. It's believing God is what faith is. So showing faith that God provides for us it, with our finances is actually giving. That that's how we show that we're trusting God with our finances and not us. It's a demonstration of saying, no, I really believe. I'm not just saying I believe. I'm acting like it. I'm really I'm saying that I trust that God is going to take care of me and, and, and prosper me. So... Um, so that's another one. So you can kind of see, you want to look at God's word to say, wow, this is what I want in my life. 
God is faithful. He is not going to let us down. He is not going to disappoint us. He is somebody that makes promises in his word for that we would have everything that, that we need for life and godliness. God is able. He's able and willing to give us everything that we need for life. He wants to do that. He's a God of love. But we want to know what's available and what we can pray for, you know, so that we can have confidence. How would it look in your prayer life to really feel peaceful and confident in asking God about things? Wouldn't that feel great? Could you imagine? You know, I, it's kind of funny because I can kind of see it when I'm praying where sometimes I'll be, you know, I'll go through these things where I pray and, I, and I'm realizing I'm saying the words, but it's almost like I don't even think God's listening. You know, <laughs> I'm just sitting there, I'm, I'm spending time praying and I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, oh God, thank you for our leadership team and blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> whatever. Pray for my husband, pray for my nephew, pray, you know. So I'm just giving the little list, you know, to God. And I'm like, I'm still stressed out. I'm like, I don't feel peaceful. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm not even believing God's going to do this. <laughs> I, I'm just saying words, but in my heart, I'm, I'm not even acknowledging. Wait, so it, it helps me when I'm praying to say what God says. To go, wait, I got financial pro- problems. Honestly, I'll sit there and go, wait, God's going to take care of me. You know, and I look at myself, I'll go, okay, am I being a good steward or am I being wasteful? Okay, it's not, maybe I gotta clean that up a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes I gotta crack the whip and go, okay, I'm not really doing my part. I'm being a little wasteful here, you know? So like, okay, I'm being a good steward, you know? And, and then when I get, and then I'm like, wait, I'm doing what I can do. God wants to take care of me. And then we let go. There's a saying, you do your best and let God do the rest. You take a look at going, am I doing the part I'm supposed to do that God's asking me to do? When you do, to have the confidence that we can really let go and God will absolutely take care of you in that part of your life. You know, that God wants everything good for you. He really, you got to say that, wait, God loves me. He cares. He wants good things for me. I don't have to carry the weight of the world on my own shoulders. I do have a big God that wants to be there for me and take care of my anxiety, that wants to heal my, heal my body, that wants to take care of me financially, that wants to heal my heart, that wants to have me, help me have healthier relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the things that God wants for us. But we want to get to the place that we know the word of God and we have confidence. And next week, we're going to talk a lot about how to receive God and, and faith, it says. It says that, that if you believe, all things are possible to them that believe. So we really want to take a look because faith is the key to receiving from God next week. So we'll be continuing on. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I really, I love that you do care and um, that you do want to take care of our needs, God, uh, that you love us so very, very much, and that we can come to you with with all of our needs, that you say that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that there's nothing that you wouldn't be there for in our lives. And help us to really know what's our part, what's your part, so that we can have more confidence in our prayers, so that we're not worried and fearful when there's no reason to be when it is something that you've promised but then on the other hand when we're not asking you to do things either that are in contrary to your word so we can get clarity on these things 
God. So I just ask that we grow in our faith and our prayer life and that we really come to know your presence and that we can have peace knowing that you're there for us in every way. Thank you, Lord. Amen.